All right, guys, how's it going? Welcome to the LA Experience Podcast. Um, I created this podcast because there's so many awesome stories out there in the in the bleeding disorder community, in the chronic disorder community, and I just wanted to be able to um, to share them with everyone. I really think that everyone's story has something special in it that you can learn from. And today we have a very special guest, Chris Ingram from Arizona. He's 35 years old. He is a certified coder and he, he also teaches at a school. And he is, which I don't know about yet, the Dolce Diet, is that correct? Dolce Diet yes, Coach. Sir. He's a member of the Professional Bowlers Association and he trained MMA for six months. So with all of that, I'm excited. I've got a ton of questions for you. Um, but welcome to the show. How's it going, yeah, Chris? Thanks for having me. Yeah, Doing man. Well. So Chris is in Arizona and it is, it's beautiful out there. Obviously it doesn't snow here in St. Louis where we've get, we had a uh, winter advisory warning. So I'm stuck in the house and wishing I was in Arizona again. I don't even know what the weather is here. It's 461. Yeah. So we got nice weather. After high school, I moved to Arizona for two years and I played golf out there and it was, it was so much fun, man. That weather is just, I think that's where hemophiliac should live. Like if you're a hemophiliac, you should live in Arizona. Like, I mean, it's just so much better on the joints. Yeah. The arthritis pain isn't as common. Um, every now and then I'll get it with uh, changing seasons, but it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, um, how about uh, we let the audience know a little bit more about you? When, when, did, when were you diagnosed with hemophilia and what kind of hemophilia do you have? So I was diagnosed at two weeks old with hemophilia A severe. I believe my factor level is 0.8%. Okay. Um, obviously, if you have it, you have it. I don't really check my factor levels. I just infuse and kind yeah. of go on with my life. Um, and the story was that um, I guess I was two weeks old and my mom came to the crib that I was sleeping in in a pool of blood really um my sister always says like the first uh, memory she ever has of me she has a picture of with the needle coming out of my head just for them to get uh to get vein access yeah wow man why so why were you bleeding so much i was from a circ oh okay okay man so so do you have a family do you have kids right now so i got a 12 year old daughter and a nine-year-old son um my daughter is obviously a carrier she yeah Gosh, I want to say she was at 54%. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but bruises all over. All, I mean, wow. She she's all she's like a leopard. She's always yeah. spotted with bruises. Yeah. <laughs> you know how you know how active they are. Oh yeah, definitely. I've got three of my own. I know how it is for sure. So how do you uh, so like your daughter then, like she has like a 50-50 chance, right? Is that correct? On passing it on if she has a boy? Correct. Okay. That's what I've been told is 50, 50 chance, whether boy or girl, whether carrier or affected. Yeah. Um, but even now there's more females being diagnosed with it. You know, my yeah. sister just got diagnosed last year and she's 40. Oh, wow. Dang. So, Man, I guess it was because it was so uncommon for women to have it. And now they're really starting to look more into it <laughs> and finding out that, you know, there's more symptom symptomatic women than we thought. It, it kind of makes sense because if their numbers fall the same as ours, why are they only carriers versus having? Yeah. Yeah. I, it kind of makes sense, you know, in my mind to the, on that aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, that's scary really, you know, if they're not getting you know, factor and they need it. So how did we become friends, Chris? When did we become friends? Was it on Facebook or how did we meet? Um, so the first time I heard of you was probably 2012 or so when I was actually I was actually training for men's physique you were you know I, okay. I, I never made it on stage so um, what what made you like learn about like, like want to get into men's physique I just I you know I you know I was young I went to the gym loved it and I'm like okay let's let's try this dang see I, I didn't um, even know it existed for the longest time like I always thought that bodybuilding was like these huge dudes you know like that were just like monsters and I was like, I don't want to look like that. And, and uh, it's funny. I like that look like for a long time up until recently, man, I wanted to be 200 and like uh, 10%. Really? Dang. Um, 
And then I actually started training over at Metroflex. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a big gym. So, yeah. So, and over here, we, you know, Dennis James is in my area. Yeah. Um, he would come in with, with Big Rami, you know, and that. And um, so I was doing that. And then I heard about you. And then we met over at the Coalition B. I um, was brought in to help run the games. And we went to the Dimebacks game. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, so why did you end up stopping? What, what made you ultimately be like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to pursue men's physique. I still don't have a good answer. Um, really? Both the, t- the times I was going into contest prep and I lost my job and I didn't feel comfortable spending that much money with the, you know, trainers, supplements, all that. Yeah. And barely try to make it by. Yeah, no, I mean that, I would say that is the biggest sacrifice that I've had to make personally um, is the cost. It is so expensive to do a show. I mean, by the time you start prep to finish prep with supplementation, coaching, eating all the right foods, um, you know, you get a spray tan, all the stuff, um, you got to buy shorts. I mean, you're, you're looking at three, $4,000 at least. I mean, and that's, it's tough, man. It's really hard. Yes, I think I was doing about seven hundred a month between food supplements and training, and wow. you know, one of my, and there was times where my trainer couldn't make it, so I trained with his trainer, which is IFBB Pro Mike Morris. You know, he's from here too, so okay. I mean, I, I'll, I'll never forget getting on the leg press. Or we loaded up like seven hundred pounds. I can't even lift the plate. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so those two lifted up. He's like, "Okay, you're gonna go for 15. Like, okay, yeah, you're yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dang. So did when you, when you, so besides the financial aspect of it, how was it with your hemophilia? Were you able to live properly or was there things that you had to learn that you could do and you couldn't do? Um, I actually bled when it's it's funny, the more active I am, the less I bleed. So I'm obviously I'm more, I'm more strict on, you know, infusing on time there. Yeah. But the only limitations I have was from my left ankle being target joint, you know, so I'm doing seated calf raises. I can't drop my heel all the way. Yeah. Okay. So what are your target joints that you have? Left elbow, left ankle. Okay. So mine's left elbow, right ankle. Okay. Is your ankle like completely locked up or is, do you still have a little bit of movement there? I, they said I have about 30% range of motion. Okay. okay. Um, I've, I've never gotten it fused, no replacement, none of that. Cause I also bowl as well. And a hundred percent of my weight is on that left ankle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another thing I want to get into. Like, so, I mean, it seems like you're just like a go-getter. Like you just like, you have these goals and you just like, you get, at least you give it a shot. You know, some people are just too scared to even start. And the fact that you made it uh, into the professional bowlers association, like, tell me about that journey. How did you get started? Um, gosh, I started the month I turned 16. I had one of my half sisters was in town. She bowled for years and, you know, talked a big game like, oh yeah, I can beat you. Yeah. Um, she absolutely killed me. Really? <laughs> um, and then I decided to take lessons and I got better and better at it. And yeah, you know, doctors loved it. And, you know, it's like one of my, uh, the guy who, who, uh, taught the MMA, he said, it's impossible to get good at anything if you if you're consistently doing it and working at it. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of my release, you know, I would get mad at my sister and like, Hey, I'm going to the bowling center. Let's, let's go practice yeah. for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, yeah man. And now like, even before I get ready for a tournament, I'm 50, 60 games a week. Really? Wow. See, like when I, anytime I bowl, like I rarely go bowling because I always get bleeds in my fingers and in my wrist. Like, I don't know what it is. Like it could be like horrible technique or something, you know, but like every time I have a, like it's, it's a bleed. I can only last like maybe one or two games. So the fact that you play that many, my, you know, my hat's off to you it's on that. Mostly because you're using the house ball because it's really? not fit for you. So you literally have to grip it. Yeah. When you have someone drill for, for yourself. It's a very relaxed, like you just put oh, your really? okay. relax it. See? Pro tip there. Pro tip. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. So how you doing in the pa- the pandemic right now, man? How's health and how's life? Is it any that, different? It actually helped me. It um, because it, it was it was March, you know, because I teach at a, a medical billing coding at a, one of these local colleges here. Yeah. And we're, we're, we got a call like, hey, we're going to send everyone to work from home. You know, this is getting bad. We put all our we with 2000 students online in 72 hours. Oh, wow. I, it, it happened quick. We got to stay home. I'm like, OK, I can now control every single meal I eat. Mm. I don't have Dude, that's I'm not, awesome. I'm not missing. Yeah. I'm like, OK, let's do this. 
So, so you're, that's te- you're teaching online right now. Everything's yeah. online. Wow, dude. That's yeah, we're so, that's we're so not awesome. even expected to go back till they're thinking June, July. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I'm 13 days out from my second vaccine. So I'm fully covered. Okay. We're, nice. We're good to go. Nice. That's awesome. Did you ever get COVID? No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a time when people thought I had it because I got a headache. But yeah, that was it. Yeah, luckily I didn't get it either. So we're 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 just now rolling out uh, vaccines here in St. Louis. So I'll get mine pretty soon as well. It's a, uh, and I mean, I went on the first day. It was two hours in line. It was really? Long, it was a long way, but were you scared went, to get it? Like, were you like, man, I wonder if my if it, if this is gonna react weird with my hemophilia or? No, I actually text my hematologist and I'm like, hey, you know, I have an opportunity to get this qualified healthcare worker. She's like, first of all, you're getting it. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and she's like, yeah, it's just inf- just infused before, so you know that, that's yeah what I did. Um, Easy enough. I, you know, at first I was against it, but you know, because I'm almost done with my master's, and I remember reading about um, it was measles how there's because we're dropping under a, a minimum threshold mm. that it's coming back. I'm like, well, yeah. you know, I'll get it. Let's, you know, if anything, I'm more protected. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, uh, so you're doing coding now as your profession was that, did you get to, did you pick that career path because of your hemophilia? Like thinking like, Hey, I could, this is something that I could do, or was this something that you were really just wanting to go after? Uh, more of option one. So I was working security. I was doing a lot of event security. Like I've done security for the Cardinals, a lot of concerts and things like that. Coming home limping every day. Yeah. And, you know, during in elementary school, you know, I, in high school, I played a lot of video games. So my sister's like, hey, you like being on the computer? Why don't you mm. do medical billing and coding? Yeah. I, I didn't even research it one bit. I just really up at the closest you just school jumped to in. <laughs> You're just like, man, uh, I'm tired of my ankle hurting like crazy. Just give me something. It, it's funny because it's not something I love to do. But yeah. It, there's always some satisfaction when you get really good at something. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, definitely. Like, when, yeah, anytime you start something and you go through the process and finish it, you can definitely be proud of yourself. Um, it's crazy because, like, I've done the same thing, you know? Like, I, I struggled for so long trying to find a career that I, that would suit my life. And I did the same thing. I researched online. I looked into coding. Um, but, like, more of, like, the, like, website coding stuff like that, you know? And That's a whole and, different animal. <laughs> and I just, like, I just couldn't ever pull the trigger on it because I was, like... I, deep down in my heart, I was like, I just know that I'm not passionate about it. And like the way that I feel like my life is set up now is like, I'm anything that I take on, like, I'm truly, I have to truly ask myself, you know, is this going to fulfill me? Is this going to make me happy? And, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to live for the money. You know, it's like, I, I, I'll go through some adversity or whatever it takes. I just somehow at the end of the road, I'm going to find fulfillment in what I'm doing. Um, if I don't, for me, I just can't follow through, you know, like you followed through, like I can't, like, if I don't like it, I just, I'll fail. So it's just something that I had to learn about myself. And uh, luckily I'm in a position now where I get to work from home. I'm off my feet and uh, it's pretty nice. Well, it's, it's kind of worked both ways because, you know, I didn't like it at first, but because of talking to the insurance companies and that, and I was working with um, with my specialty pharmacy, like, hey, can you call this insurance? This is what they're telling us mm. on your with your factor at that. And I know insurance is so well that now, you know, I even get to speak for one of the pharmaceutical companies that I get to, you know, teach what I know about insurance. Really? Are you serious? Um, with okay, that's awesome. So, how often are you doing those talks? Whenever they call me. Yeah. Um, the last year has been real slow because well, of COVID, yeah. but. Well, that's really um, good, man, because that's an important thing. Like I, I deal with a lot of younger guys who are transitioning from that, that age where they're on their parents' insurance and they're getting ready to transition into their own. And I, I see a lot of them struggle and sometimes even go without medication or have to go on the manufacturer programs in order to get medication for a while. And I know myself, I, I struggled during that time frame, and I've got bills now for $300,000, $400,000 because I had to get factor and I didn't have insurance. So, I mean, that's awesome that that's something that you specialize in. So if you guys are listening and I mean, reach out to Chris about that. Like, I mean, that's, he's, he'd be a huge resource to help you guys. That's awesome. It was, it was just some really something unexpected. And now it's, you know, I know an insurance like the back of my hand, the terms and yeah, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm getting better at it too. Like I, I know at first there people would talk about co-pays and you know what and any premiums and I was just like, what? What are you talking about? Like I I don't know. I don't understand. Well, the way I break it down, the premium, think of it as your membership fee. You know, if you're part of a gym, you're not going to get the benefits without paying your monthly payment. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the easiest way I, yeah. I explain that's that. Because it's very, yeah, it's very easy to get confused. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of really good resources out there, too, for our community um, that, that help with premium and copay. Um, and, you know, you know, so if anybody that's listening has any questions about that, I could, I can help in that area as well. I'm not sure if, if you know, of any, do you know of any like good foundations or resources out there for helping people with insurance? Um, there was one that I use, I don't remember their name, but I yeah. mainly rely on, you know, the copay assistance programs that are yeah. available and that. And PSI, I think PSI is a pretty that's, popular that's one. The one. Is that the one? <laughs> that one's yeah. the most popular one. Um, I just, they, they only have like certain enrollment periods. And so you kind of got to get, you know, get on that list and, and, you know, become aware whenever they launch their enrollment period. But yeah, I mean, so if you guys ever need help with that, feel free to contact me and, you know, I'd, I'd love to help in that area too. Cause I've learned so much through my experience of not giving a crap, not wanting to care, you know, and just, and then to finally being like, okay, I'm an adult. Now I've got all these bills. I have to care now. So so yeah, reach out to yeah. us for that. So you're a coder, but when you were a kid, what did you want to be? I mean, like, was there like, was there a big dream that you had, like when you were a kid? I wanted to go into the Navy. Really? Um, mainly because okay. that's what, what my dad did. Um, and I I tried. Um, I got down to it because there was nothing in their manual that's, that says, you know, hemophilia, this and that. It came down to like, hey, how are we going to get you in your medicine if you're on a boat? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, I know. I know. I wonder, do you know anyone who's ever made it into the military? That I've heard, um, I've heard of a mild that has, I don't know really? the name. I, okay. I have to make a couple of calls to see if I can find yeah. out, but I heard there was a mild in the air force. Okay. Wow. I tried, I tried as well. All my friends after high school, that's where they went. And I wasn't smart. We none of us were smart. We all love sports and we, we sucked at school. And then after school, we're like, all right, let's go to the military. I tried. And then I was the only one who didn't get in. So that sucked, man. Cause I wanted to like, you know, I, I was just like, I want to, I want to contribute somehow, but I don't really know how I'm going to be able to contribute. And so that was, that was tough being denied to, to go down that path. But, yeah, but you know, like with all the advocacies that we have, like um, Washington days and that it's, to me, it's almost the same thing. Like, yeah, we yeah. don't get to serve for our country, but for our local community, it's almost the same thing. Yeah. So I, I need to do that one year. I need, I, that's the one thing I haven't done yet is participate in the Washington days. I, I've, for some reason, I'm very intimidated by politics and I, it scares me so much that I will, that I will do anything to, to not go. But I'm, my goal is to, you know, find some courage and go within the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing. Like when I go to, to vote for someone, it's I look at healthcare first. Yeah, that's the most important. I'm like, I'm being selfish. That's the most important to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, fact is too expensive to uh, have a bad healthcare plan. Yeah. So I know for me, when I was a kid, you know, I I went through so many different things, like, like mentally and physically, and I didn't really know other hemophiliacs like myself. And, you know, I got to it when I got older, I was like, man, I look back and I was like, I wish I would have known this back then. And, you know, so now my goal is like, you know, I want to be that mentor now for the the next generation of leaders that are coming up. So I wanted to ask you, you know, based off of your life experience now, if you could go back and tell your younger self something, you know, that would help you benefit, what, what would that be? Is there, is there anything that you look back now and just say, man, if I would have only done this better or knew this, I would be in so much better shape now. Um, obviously confusing when I should, because, you know, when I was little, I would wait to the last minute out until the pain was just unbearable. Okay. Uh, Cause honestly, none of us like confusing. I put yeah. that, like sticking yourself and getting vein access, just yeah. not the most pleasant thing. Yeah. Did, so did your parents um, leave that up to you? Like, Hey, you let us know if you need an infusion. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even tell them. 
Yeah. I'm just, I'll just wait till the pain got so bad. Yeah. So that's, that's you and I both then that was exactly what I did. I, I didn't want to tell my friends. I didn't want to tell my parents and I put it off until like my ankles and my elbows, they used to swell up so big to where I couldn't put my shoes on. Um, I mean, it was bad. So I, mean, I used yeah. to have the little helmet. My dad used to sew like foam into the inside of my jeans. Really? Dang. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, so, I'm jealous of these kids now. They're like, oh, yeah, I only have one or two bleeds. I'm like, man, I used to see, get that I don't, get, I can't <laughs> even comprehend that right now, but I, I love it. Like, I love it for the next generation. But man, it's like one bleed, two bleeds. I, that was, that was a week. That was one week for me. And I did that for months and months and years, just every week, one or two bleeds. So I don't get it, but I love it for the next generation. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people ask you, like, well, would you ever go back and, you know, not have it? I'm like, no, I'm like, I've got to do so much cool stuff and opportunities that my normal friends don't because I have this. Wow, that's awesome. That's crazy. I was actually one of the questions <laughs> that I wrote down for you was if you could if you start over without hemophilia, would you? And so you say no. That's that's powerful. Yeah, man. The, that's the powerful. Pain because... isn't great. <laughs> What's that? So the pain isn't great, but I yeah. Mean, like, like over here in Arizona, when I was a teen, you know, we got to go white, uh, water rafting down the San Juan River. We got to do uh, some rock climbing. Like we got to do some things that would cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And it was part of our programming. So it's the experiences I mean, cool that you've yeah. been able to have, um, the relationships that you've been able to build. What about like the mentality? Like, you know, like for me, that's like my big thing is like who I've become today. I'm not sure I'd be the same person without hemophilia. Is that how you feel? I mean, it's really the truth. I'm like, look, yeah. I mean, because without that, you know, I, because of hemophilia, I try to stay out of healthcare and that's where yeah. I ended up. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, what I would have done. I'm like, I would have played football for sure. Yeah. Um, so was that's there the one sport I've always wanted to do? I never got to play. Was there ever a transition phase in your life where you were just like, you're going through life and you're like, man, I just hate my life. I hate hemophilia. And then maybe you transition to, you know what, this, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe I should embrace what I have and make the best out of, you know, what life has given me. Yeah. I had a good, I mean, I still talk to him today, a good mentor over at the association here. Mm -hmm. uh, he since moved out of state where I've, I was in a bad time. Like there was, there was a one point where I actually got arrested Yeah, um, because of bad decisions. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, luckily, you know, nothing came out of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that yeah, was a big I, eye opener. I, I was a troublemaker when I was a kid, man. I, I, I got so many traffic tickets that one time I had to like spend four days in jail just to make up for it. Cause I was young and I couldn't, I couldn't afford the, you know, the penalties or whatever for it. And like, that was, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's like, that's one question that I have is like, man, if you ever went to like jail for a long period of time, would they even give you your medication? Like, would they, or would you just like, it was, it was infusion day for me. Cause I remember I, I got arrested on a Sunday night. I had to wait <laughs> to see the judge till Monday and they wanted to keep me in for a week. I'm like, well, I get paid Friday. I could bail myself out. Yeah. Um, I'm like, Hey, I got to do my medicine. I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, you shouldn't have been, you shouldn't have been in here. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Like, and they, those police well, these days, they get rough, man. So it's like, you could be like, Oh, I've got hemophilia. Don't, you know, and they're just beating up on you. Like I had a mark from the handcuffs and I was only in handcuffs for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Four days. Yeah. I, it, it was insane. Dude, man, I'm telling <laughs> you, like they put me for, for me going in there for traffic tickets. They put me through the worst like process ever. Like, it it like it still haunts me. Like I literally, I walked into a room when I got checked in, and I had to check myself in, you know. And they put me in a room with a, like a bunch of other guys. They put us in a circle, told us to drop our clothes, butt naked, and we were all looking at. I'm looking at all these guys in their eyes, you know, and they're they're doing the, the search on me and everything. They put me in the outfit. I go in there, and they don't even give me a bed. Like there's like there's a bunk bed. And there's two guys already in there who, who are in there for a lot longer, like a couple years or something. And they're like, yeah, you can sleep right there by the toilet. And I was just like, wow, man. And it was the longest, it, it felt like months that I was in there. And when I got out, I was just like, oh, the air, this feels so good. Like, like there's nothing more scary than jail. Like 
don't go to jail. <laughs> don't go to jail. Yeah, I mean, because I was I was in for about ten hours before I got bailed out, and then I yeah. had to go see the judge. You know, in the, in the time frame. But for a couple of years, I still was traumatized. Like I can't. I'm so afraid yeah. to do anything. Dang. And, and me, like it, it was. It was. So, I was stupid decision. I kicked the screen door, and uh, you know, domestic yeah. violence. That's <laughs> yeah. Hey man, it I mean it happens, you know, it's real, it's real life, it happens, and that's something that we have to you know think about. Like, because I was I thought about that. I was like, man, as hemophiliacs, we should think about that because I guarantee you there's gonna be more of us who do something stupid and go to jail. And it's like I almost want to get like a police officer on here on the podcast and be like, hey, like what rights do we have as a hemophiliac if we're ever in jail? Well, I bowl with a retired cop. Yeah. Really, I wonder what if he. Would, if you want, wonder, if you want I, that, I, I wonder what can happen. I wonder what he would say about that because, like, I, I'm pretty sure there's like a cop out there that has hemophilia. I'm, I'm I feel like we it have a couple. I feel like we have a couple of them out there. Even if it's just desk duty, it has to. Be. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have to look into that because I'm really, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, it's just not a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. So have you like, have you ever been like gone through stages of like depression, but? Since, you know from having hemophilia is that something you battle with um i haven't had a whole lot with depression for the hemophilia um really times where it just sucks i don't want to do it and i mean i guess it could come, but not like you know, okay really yeah, good. i want to i want to end this it's really good um, to hear because a lot of i feel like a lot of us struggle with depression so that's that's awesome to hear that you've been able to avoid that aspect um what do you is, do you think there's anything that you do or any way that maybe it your life is set up that has helped you come up that way where you're not experiencing those, you know, stages of depression that so many of us are. Um, I think I just have a really good support system at home. And really, uh, maybe cause we'll see my mom's from, you know, Hispanic mom from South America. Yeah. Or just how she raised is very spiritual and religious and all that. And it's just, you know, I can go to her for anything. That's awesome. You know, if I need to talk I'm like, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. Yeah, um, there are times where yeah, I've blown up on my parents. Like, well, I didn't ask for this, you know. Yeah, and then I'm like, yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, I bet. Um, so I mean, there are times where, where, where it's just it, yeah, it does suck, but you know, yeah. Uh, what's you know, way I think of it is, you know, I'm just wasting away the times I have left in this life, you know, yeah. being depressed. So let's snap out of it, do something fun. Yeah. Well, good, man. That's awesome to hear. I'm really glad that you're not like going through that. You know, I, I, I get the privilege of working with a lot of younger guys or young adults in the community. And some of them are facing really hard times. They're very depressed. And I think the common denominator is, you know, their support system and what, what you mentioned. And they don't have the right support system. And they're alone and, and they're dealing with it by themselves. And a lot of times they like neglect all their responsibilities of it. And then it kind of catches up to you. So that's something that like I'm very, very passionate about because I've experienced it and I've been able to overcome some of those really hard times. But I know there's a lot of guys out there and, you know, I'm I'm in the process of working on like a good framework that maybe could help other people when they get in those situations. But I, I wish there was more programs out there that, you know, looked that that helped individuals like that, individuals that had chronic disorders and and you know, they don't have the resources available. They don't have the family support system, you know, so, something to just give them a, a chance, you know, someone to be there and like, all right, you know what, we're going to invest in you. We're going to give you an opportunity to succeed. So I just feel like that's a little bit un, uh, an unfair aspect of um, the bleeding disorder community. Well, I think part of it is, you know, I mean, we have too much pride to ask for help um, yeah. when it's needed. Um, I've, I've been there myself. Yeah. Or there's times where I know I'm like, oh, I should probably ask someone to help on and what mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What advice would you give to new parents? I get a ton of new parents that message me and they they want to know they're scared, to be honest. Like there, there's they like because a lot of them, you know, like for some individuals it runs in their family, and for some it's just spontaneous. Um, and they're just like, Man, what do I do? What can my kid do? Like, how is his life gonna play out? So, like, what what advice would you give those new parents? Um, whenever I talk to them, you know, I honestly don't think there's anything to be afraid of anymore. We are, you know, our factor has come a long way. Yeah. Um, obviously even since, you know, since obviously we know the bad blood area and all that, and, you know, we hear stories, but look at all these kids that have had, you know, really one bleed, two bleeds, 
Yeah. Um, they don't have to really worry about it. Yeah. Um, obviously, that you know, some contact sports you can't do and things like that, but yeah. Um, you know, it's the medication's so good now; it's lasting so much longer. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't even, you know, and, and that's something that I like that I'm so hopeful for. And it's like, if I, and, and I, you know, you, you, you can see like through my journey and my bodybuilding stuff that I do, like I try to use that as a platform to inspire the next generation to, to push their limits and to believe, to believe higher in themselves. And, you know, we're suffering from joint damage um, because of the way that we grew up. And, you know, I'm not sure about you, but in the, you know, in the eighties, a lot of us got hepatitis C or HIV. Um, and so I actually I was hep- exposed to the hep C. Okay. So um, was I, so um, was I. I how, how did that, how has that affected your life so far? Um, again, this is what we're unfortunate. Um, you know, I've never really had a viral load come up. We check it every year. Mm-hmm. There's times where I had to go to specialists cause it looked like it was starting to. And then mm-hmm. my doctor said like, Hey, we'll still check it every year, but I think you may have cleared it. Cause I told her, I'm like, Hey, you know, put me on the medication, you know, done. Yeah. I mean, cause I medication's easier. I, medication's easier now. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's like a, a pill or something each week. Or... I, I, I think for like 12 weeks or something like that, but I've yeah. heard of the, the injections, which just drain you. Yeah. Yeah. I did the injections. I did the interferon injections. It was three months. It was one injection every week and you were just sicker than a dog. You would just be throwing up all week long. I had the chills and I just, li- I lived in my mom's basement. I had to quit my job. And that's what started the whole bodybuilding stuff was I was like looking at myself in the mirror after that three months. And I was like, man, you look like shit. You don't offer the world anything. Like I was so depressed, man. After that, I was just like, what do you, what do you offer the world? And, and that's when I made a change. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I wrote down, I started, I started to gain clarity. I'm like, all right, if I'm going to, you know, press forward, I'm going to have to like make my life meaningful. And I'm, I decided to just give back to the community and I wanted to be a leader and lead by example. Started going to the gym and then I ran into a men's physique poster and I was like, Hey, I was like, I, I could do that. Like, I can't be a beast. Like my body just doesn't, my body just doesn't work that way to like get as big as the heavyweights. But I was like, I could probably do men's physique. And uh, that's led me to where I am today. But like, you know, my, they told me my liver was on the final stage of liver cirrhosis. So they were, they were like, they were right after that meeting, they were like, you need to get on the injections right now, like next week. And so it it was crazy, but it's definitely something that I'm scared about for the future. I don't know how my liver is going to hold up, but you know, I think we're, as hemophiliacs, we're kind of used to living our lives. Um, you know, preciously living it like it's our last days, not taking each day for granted, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've been there. Um, yeah. Um, it's unfortunate where it's, it's, it's never come up, but that doesn't mean it won't in the future. Yeah. That's why, especially yeah. during COVID, I'm like, Hey, you know, I got, I got to drop this weight. Cause yeah. I'll tell you uh, when I got sent to start working from home in April, I was 220 pounds. Yeah. And I, and I dropped 40 pounds in just under a hundred days. Wow. Nice. So oh. speaking about dropping weight, what is this Dolce diet thing? What is that? <laughs> You've probably heard of it in a background way. Okay. So he, he is famous for being the strength and, and nutrition coach for a lot of the UFC fighters. Okay. Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. Vitor Belfort, Rampage Jackson. Okay. Those are some of his biggest ones. Okay. The way I found out about it is I'm a huge Ronda Rousey fan. So I got her ebook. Yeah. I'm driving oh, home nice. from work and she mentions this like, well, it felt like I didn't really have to diet this and that. I pulled over to the side of the road. I wrote it down. I'm nah. expecting <laughs> it to, to be a lot of money. I yeah. look into it. I'm like, this is actually affordable. And it's, I mean, it's nothing, right? Um, that's anything different. It's, you know, really healthy eating nice. and you know you know kind of get the chemicals out of the body kind of thing and yeah you know i did it i, I lost some weight and and i stopped doing it and then and then, you know that was a couple of years ago and now with uh covid i'm like you know what let's jump back on this yeah well interesting that's really cool yeah i have to look into i have to look into it a little bit a little bit more i know i know the like the meat diet all meat you know the carnivore diet that's getting big these days and there's a lot of fad diets and you know I personally don't believe in like fad diets. 
Um, I've got my own little philosophy that I've worked on and it's not that I worked on. It's the fact I've, I've hired a lot of different coaches over the years competing and I've kind of accumulated all the information from all of them and then just, you know, take, took their best practices and, and made it my own. But none of it really has Wait. to do with like, you know, special foods or anything. It's kind yeah, of that's why I do what I do because I had to kind of believe in the principles, you know. Yeah. Like I I tried keto. I got so sick off of it. I was getting lightheaded and this. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't yeah. sustain this for my life. The keto flu. I know. That's that's what they say. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know you're taking medicine to get I mean, you know, I could deal with pain, but man, I'm yeah. a sissy when it comes to headaches. Yeah. Like, no, I hear you, man. Like that's, take my head off. Like, yeah, that's funny. And so like recently you and I have been talking, you know, more about your MMA training and like, I want to talk about MMA because it's such a up and coming rising sport that I know there's going to be younger kids listening who are just like, I want to be an MMA fighter. Like that's where the attention is, you know, boxing starting to get bigger. Like a lot of YouTube boxing fights are happening now. Let's talk about MMA. What what drove you to want to start training and how did that work for you? Um, so the guy that teaches it, I actually went to elementary school with. So he knew about the hemophilia for a year. I've known him for about 25 years. Um, and he was always into karate. So what he does, you know, I just summed it up as MMA. He does Thai karate, which it mixes up a little bit of everything because he there's some people that be boxing that are strict boxes. You know, yeah. Just you guys, you're strict. And, you know, this does a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, I, I started first and then my daughter jumped in about a month after I did. Um, it was, I wanted to push the limits. I've told people all the time, like, well, you don't know your limits until you go past them. Yeah. And you, you can dial it down. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it was really just a mental test more than anything. It's like, I, I tried it. You know, a couple of years before that, it, you know, it was fun to do. And, you know, yeah. my daughter getting older and like she's 12 now, like, well, yeah, something one day I'm probably gonna have to protect her. Like, yeah, like I'm not always going to have a knife on here. So. Dude, it's um, the reality, man. Like we have to learn those skills as well. I mean, especially in this day and age, we have to be able to protect our ourselves and our kids. So I commend you for, for doing that. And, you know, I've, I've done that as well. I've, I've, I've got fighting experience and training and, you know, I, I fought in the golden gloves when I was 19. I'm not sure if you knew that, but that was not, that wasn't a good experience. That was a, that was a time frame when I hated my life and I knew what I was getting into and I fought in the golden gloves and got knocked out in the first round and they stopped the fight because my nose was bleeding and I broke my nose. It still isn't fixed. I still breathe horribly. I, I snore when I sleep. I mean, it's annoying, but like, but I remember, you know, staring at the ceiling that the night after the knockout and I was like, man, what was I thinking? Like, that is not okay for me to do. Um, but the training aspect, I mean, it is fun. And I believe that that's a skill that we need. And I'm not going to lie since then. I, I mean, it was, I'll, I'll say three months ago. We had some, we had an intruder at our house and I was trying to like, I was doing my best to like be um, just cordial. And I was like, listen, like you need, you need to get out of here. Like, and he, he was messed up on some kind of drugs or something. I don't know what he was on. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take you to your car. And then he kept on trying to hit me and like punch me in the face. And I was, I was like, you do not want to do that. Do not, do not hit me in the face. And eventually he like ended up spitting in my face and then trying to hit me. And I ended up getting him in like a, like a chokehold that I learned in MMA and I brought him down to the ground and then dude, that's it. Like all once you, once I had him in like a rear naked choke and I, it was in like, there's, he's either going to go to sleep or something, you know, like it's, and so it's, it's effective training. We need to know how to do that. You know, we, just cause we're hemophiliacs doesn't mean, you know, we're babies. Like we gotta, we we're men. We, we got people to protect. Bad thing is I can't even do a rear naked choke because my elbow won't go all the way to my shoulder because you got to get it and you got to yeah, close like right, it in. Right under the neck. <laughs> I, 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 that's as far as Over I go. Like this, <laughs> and, and then you push it down like that. Yeah, I mean, that's I can't with my left. This is as far as my left arm goes. 
So I couldn't do it with my left arm, but my right arm, I definitely can. So that was, that's my go-to. Fu- fu- yeah, it's funny because, you know, I try to do it on my daughter. She'll get out of it every time. She just holds it back down. She's <laughs> that's, out. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. So what if you're a parent and your and your kid has hemophilia and they're like, Dad, I want to I want to do mixed martial arts. Would you let them? I would, but I think I was trying to stay away from the striking, like the grappling yeah. and all that. You know, I so set some limits. Is what you're saying? What the scary part is because we had you know a bunch of bigger guys and, I, and the coaches would even say, "This is a sport where there will be injuries." Yeah. No avoid. Like, you know, I, I was doing a roundhouse kick, met with someone else. I broke my toe. Yeah. Um, I did a 15 hour, you know, catch wrestling boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I left with cartilage damage on my ribs because the per- whole first day, you know, I got thrown probably a hundred times. Yeah. And they even said, like, this is baptism by fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I'm like, I, got, I got the certificate for that. I'm like, it, it was. That's awesome. It was man. insane. Hey, but you learn a lot of useful skills. You know, you learn to think in these situations. You have, I work, you know, 250 pound guy on top of me. I can't, you know, I can't breathe. So I'm here just, just trying to take it slow, mm. get, get my breath. Yeah. Um, and figure a way out. Yeah. Wow, man. I mean, I mean, because although what they say, the, the last place you want to be is under a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, they got all, they got all that weight on you, but you can still get out. Yeah. And that, I think it's a useful skill. You know, there's yeah. times where in, even that catch wrestling camp, you know, we taught someone's got you by the arm. Okay. I can get you in a wrist lock real easy. Yeah. So I, I know, I know that there is a professional fighter who has hemophilia. Um, I don't know his exact name. I know he has a book and Lori Kelly actually sent me the link to his book and I haven't read it yet, but um if anyone knows what that book is, you know, let, you know, comment, let me know. Um, I'm going to look into it again, but you know, I think that's pretty incredible. Someone pursuing that, you know, and for me personally, I am thankful that my journey has turned out the way it has, because I want to live a fulfilling life when I'm dead. I want to look back and say, all of my desires have been fulfilled. You know, I lived, I loved, I mattered. And Everything that I wanted to do, I did. And I always tell myself, and I tell other people too, and it's the truth. Like it might sound sad, but it's true. I'd rather live 10 more years right now of a completely fulfilled life than 50 years of playing it safe and never going after what I desired. And looking back, being like, what did my life mean? You know, or I wonder if my life would have been better if I would have tried it. Um, so that's, that's my personal outlook that I've gained from having hemophilia. And it's just kind of funny because my parents do like the same thing. I remember when I was younger, I was going to have to be put, I was put in braces and they were saying, and the doctor was saying like, well, what if he only lives, you know, another 10 years? And my mom looked at the doctor like, Hey, he's only live another 10 years. He's going to live the best damn 10 yeah. years of his life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, that, if that's all you got, you know, why hold back? Yeah. Yeah, man. That oh. yeah, he. You know, my life changed a lot too when I, I had to change my mindset because at first I hated my life with hemophilia, and then later on, I, I made a mental adjustment that took me quite a while. And one of the my favorite quotes it, it talks about you know playing the cards that you were dealt like they were the the cards that you wanted the entire time, you know. So just and that's it's, and that's I just like that mindset and that attitude is just you know play your cards like yep. Thank you. You know what? I've got hemophilia. Cool. Let's get it. Let's go. Yeah. My journey is going to be harder. Yeah. It's going to be tougher, but it's going to be worth it. So once you change your mind to be like, all right, cool. It is what it is. I've got some extra obstacles. You know, like when I compete on stage against these guys, like I'm competing against the best, you know? And it's like, I know that I have to do more. I know that I have to go in the gym every day and be like, I'm in pain. This is going to suck. You know, I've got, I've got an extra battle, but I know that, you know, and I know that it's going to make me stronger. And one thing that I've learned is this world will not give you a handicap card. So there is no special handicap card that says, Hey, I've got hemophilia. Give me an advantage or give me what I'm looking for. Listen, no one cares. The world doesn't care what you have. Eventually you have to take accountability for what you have and make the best out of it. You know, just be intentional with your life, understand, um, 
you know, there's going to be, there's going to be hard times. So. Yeah, but, I've even hired some uh, professionals for that. Like I, with the bowling, you know, I hired a hypnotherapist so I can get the mental game right. Yeah. Um, because it, with any professional sport, you know, everyone can play at a very high level. It's the mindset is what, what really separates everybody. Dude. I love that you said that because, and I, I love that you're a professional, you know, like any professional sport, like, there's such a fine line when you cross over from amateur to professional, you know, and that's what I learned. And that's what I'm obsessed with. I I love it, man. Like my first career path was being a golfer and it was like, everyone was so good, but it was like, but what's the difference between the amateur golfer and the pro. And it's all that mindset stuff, you know, the belief, the confidence. And there's like so many little pieces that you just, you start putting together And that's what I'm experiencing now with bodybuilding. And, you know, I'm in my, you know, sixth year of competing and I'm learning to, you know, I I look at it like a puzzle, you know, I'm finding all these little bitty puzzle pieces and I'm stacking them and putting them together. And every year when I fail, you know, I take that puzzle piece and the next year I put it together and I, you know, I take what I've learned and, and now I'm starting to find success. My first four shows, dude, it was last place, last place, last place. And I was like, okay, I was proud of myself because I was a severe hemophiliac on stage, but it's like, come on, man. Like, what does it take to be one of the best? Like, I want to feel what it feels like to be the best. And I, I had to start finding those little pieces, you know? So I commend you for, for being a professional athlete and getting to that level. Um, I think that's awesome. Do you have any more plans like in the future to, to keep on pursuing that? And, and, you know, um, so I just reinstated my membership because it's not like, you know, baseball, you got to get drafted, you know, you have to have yeah. minimum re- requirements. Cause I know with golf, you have to qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bowling, you'd have to have a 200 average for the, like the last two years and then just pay your money. Yeah. Um, I'm at a job now where I only teach Monday through Thursday. I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't pay more money. Like let's try this. Yeah. Because um, because you know, fr- most regionals, you know, um, Fridays are practice session bowl, and then the tournament Saturday, Sunday. You know, yeah, come home. So you know, I already did an event a couple of weeks ago here. I got one in two weeks in Laughlin, Nevada, and I got one that's not a PBA event two weeks after that. So I'm nice. We're gonna see what happens, dude. Start posting. I stop. I think I told you post more. <laughs> I want to see it, man. I want to follow the journey. So. Yeah, uh, I, I really need to because that's one yeah. thing that I keep because I hate calling myself a professional when you know, I'm not the one on TV. Yeah, like because yeah. hey, I look up to those guys. It's fine. Yeah, but there's, there's levels to it. But you're, you're a professional, but there's levels to it, and yeah. But I mean, hey, you got plenty of time, man. Plenty of time. I'd love to see you on the big stage. So, oh, it's it's a. I mean, even from regional professional to like the mm. national guys, there's a big. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of guys who win on the on the regional level all the time that cannot yeah. make it on the national on the national tour. It is rough. Yeah. So where can people follow you if they wanna if they do want to follow you? Can they follow you on Facebook, Instagram? What do what do you what accounts do you have? <laughs> I'm on a little bit of everything. Are um, you? I have okay. Instagram, it's Chris underscore Ingram underscore DDC. Okay. Um, I, that's that's the one I, I did for the diet stuff because my whole goal with when I did when I became the Dolce Diet Coach, did that yeah. class was to start doing more for bowlers and for hemophilia. Yeah. Um, because a lot of us, I think we don't take our weight, think our weight contributes to some of these bleeds. Um, I'll yeah. tell you, when I, when I started, decided to lose weight, I was at the doctor, I was point, one point short of being put on diabetes medication. Oh, wow. I'm like, no, I've already got one condition that involves yeah. meals. Like, yeah. no, no, not happening. That would she's be like, I should. Yeah, she's like, well, I should put you on the medicine. I'm like, no, g- g- give me give me a little bit of time. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it off. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, and I was within normal limits, you know, all, yeah. all by food. Yeah. Um, but you got to think all your weight, because like even if, if you look at bowling, um, you know, you, you can be 300, 400 pounds still bowl, but yeah. the guys who are really making it, they're actually dropping weight because they got to be more athletic. Yeah. Yeah. And bowling's not really something you think of as, you know, having to be athletic for, mm. but you know, it helps. Yeah, definitely. Well, awesome, man. Well, I, I wish you luck on your, on your journey with that. And I'll definitely, we'll stay in contact. We'll be following, following each other. Yeah. And uh, one, the one thing that I want to end on, cause we're almost to an hour here. 
is, you know, one piece of final advice of everything that you've learned about life and hemophilia, um, something that you just want to pass on to the next generation. I guess just follow your heart. Um, you know, there's times where I wanted to do things like, no, you know, I have to think about this, this, and this, all that. And I guess, you know, I think Arnold said it best and, you know, his six rules to success, the very last one, he said, give back. Because I mean, if people quit giving back, then it's like the support ends. Wow, man. I love it. Um, yeah, that's really good. Man, that's that's huge. I and mean, that's that's played a big role in my life, too. I think that my life really started to change when I stopped thinking when I stopped looking at life from just my perspective, you know, and when I decided, you know, what can I do to give back? You know, that's that's when it all changed. So I, I love that you said that. That's really powerful. It actually gave me chills. I got chills. I got chills. I got chills in the last episode I did. And I just got chills again when you said that, because like and the reason why I got chills is because I'm. I have personal experience of what that really means. You know, like some people can just listen to something like that and it's like, Oh, just, we'll give back. But no, like really think about, you know, what Chris said, you know, and like, think about what that would mean. And even when you're going through like some of your toughest times of adversity, if you can still think about giving to others, that'll help you get out of, you know, the spot that the bad spot that you're in. So so I hope people, you know, really take this message to heart. I hope everyone learned a lot from our, our podcast today and I appreciate you jumping on and it, we did it like pretty short notice too. So yeah, I think within 24 hours. Yeah, man. So I appreciate it. It's awesome. Um, so thanks again. And next, and then, so I'm, I'm going to launch yours this week. And then next week I've got one on um, hemophilia and cryptocurrency. So that's going to be, that's going to be fun. So it's a guy who special has hemophilia and he specializes in it. So I'm, I've got a ton of questions about that and where that's going. So that'll be fun. It's a hot market. I know. I know. I don't understand any of it. So I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me me neither. And he, he's been, he's trying to get me to buy some. So I'm like, oh, all right, we'll see. But all right, brother. Well, you have, you have a great evening. Good rest of your day.